Happy Mother's Day to all our moms. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Welcome to Swerve Church Live. I'm so glad that you can join us today. My name is Danny. We haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person just yet, and I'm really, really glad that uh, you're spending some time with us today, worshiping with us, and also uh, sitting under the teaching of God's Word. Uh, I'm, also, I'm so excited because last week we began a brand new series where we've been studying the Old Testament character Elijah. And so I'm so glad you can join us today. We have a lot of scripture to cover. So I hope you have your Bibles, open them up, or your Bible app. We, we're going to be reading a lot of uh, Bible today so you can follow along. You know, last week we began our series uh, really examining uh, the, the context, the cultural context that Elijah finds himself in. We spoke about Elijah being a prophet, a prophet would speak on behalf of God, and, and he delivered a message to uh, who the Bible described as one of the worst kings to ever live, to King Ahab and his wicked wife um, Jezebel. He delivers a message that there would be a drought. But after he delivers this powerful message, God tells him to essentially to go into hiding, to go to the Cherith Ravine, or Cut Down Creek is what Cherith is translated to. And he sends him to go into a period of hiding to teach him a lesson, to bring him into total obedience. And then uh, from that, God was able to use Elijah in some uh, amazing ways, and we were able to see some great uh, miracles to come um, at, shortly after that. Uh, now, as we continue today, in the next couple of verses, uh, God has taken Elijah out of that season of hiding, out of the widow's house that we spoke about last week, and now he's actually going to appear before King Ahab. God is going to send them to actually confront and to send him a very extremely powerful message that I really believe wasn't a, a message uh, powerful, that it wasn't only a powerful message just for King Ahab, but I really believe that it's a powerful message for you and for me today. In fact, if you're taking notes, today's big idea is this. You can write this down. And that is that false gods promise what only the true God delivers. False gods promise what only the true God delivers. You see, this is the message that Elijah is going to essentially deliver to King Ahab. And like I said earlier, I don't think it's a message just for King Ahab. I really truly believe that it's a message for you and for me today. That False God's promise what only the true God delivers. And he's going to challenge King Ahab. He's going to challenge Jezebel. And he's even going to challenge Baal, the false God that they worship. And so if you guys are ready, we're going to read a lot of Bible today. So make sure you're following along on the Bible app uh, or in your paperback versions of the Bibles, whatever you have. Make sure you're following along. We're going to pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 18. And let's begin by reading verse 17 and 18. Here's what it says. When Ahab saw Elijah... Now, this is the great meeting now. They finally are meeting in person. Elijah has been hiding uh, for some time now away uh, from King Ahab. And remember, there's been this drought, right? There's this famine in the land because of this drought. And finally, Ahab sees Elijah and his eyes are fuming with fire. He wants to put an end to Elijah. And Ahab said to him, is that you, the one ruining Israel? Now, this is what essentially what Ahab is saying to Elijah, you scoundrel, right? In, in probably far worse terms for sure. Verse 18, he replied, I have not ruined Israel. This is Elijah speaking, but you and your father's family have because you have abandoned the Lord's command and followed the Baals. Listen to the powerful and challenging words that Elijah uh, brings here before King Ahab. Uh, one wouldn't approach a king and, and approach him and speak this way, but Elijah is coming with all the authority of God and confronting the king. And he's saying, I haven't ruined Israel. You have. 
your family has, your wife has, and everyone that follows the false god Baal. You are the ones that are ruining it all. Uh, now this brings us to uh, look at uh, two uh, very important um, ideas that we need to, we need to talk about. Uh, two very important thought processes, and that is uh, the idea of polytheism. And maybe you've never heard of that word before, but basically here's what it means. Polytheism is the belief in multiple gods. And, th and this is represented by King Ahab and Jezebel and everybody who worshipped uh, Baal and, and Asherah and all the other gods that they worship. So polytheism is the thought that there are more, there are more than one god. There are multiple gods. And the other side of that is monotheism. And that's the belief in one God. This is what Elijah believes, that there's one true God and he stands above all of the rest. And, and this is essentially what we believe as Christians as well, that there is one true God that stands true above all the rest. The problem is that many of us, maybe you can yes and amen that statement and you agree with it, but the truth of the matter is that even though many of us claim monotheistic beliefs, we live polytheistic lives. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Danny, no way. You know, I, I'm a Christian. I follow God, the one true God. How, how are you going to call me a polytheistic living? Well, our actions tell us different. You see, so often we elevate other people or other things to the place of God in our lives. And the Bible calls that idolatry. Whenever you take a person or whenever you take a thing or a hobby or a work or, or whatever it is, whenever you take something like that and you put it above God, then essentially you've idolized that thing. You've made, you've made that person, you've made that thing a God. The Bible calls that idolatry. Now, maybe your false god isn't Baal or, you know, or Asherah or any of the other false gods that we read throughout the Bible, you know, but maybe, uh, maybe your false god is love or, you, you know, you're constantly seeking out love and you're always trying to find a love and you're trying to seek approval uh, from other people and seeking out that love. Maybe for you, one of, the, one of your false gods is money and you're constantly pursuing money or success and you're trying to, you know, get value and, and, and self-worth and identity from how much money you have or success or security and how big your bank account you know for many people their god is their appearance uh, they they spend so much time really caring about the way they look right and 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 they spend tons of money on on products to make themselves or enhance themselves and make themselves look better maybe that's your false god your appearance I know for a lot of people, if you were to ask me what's a really common false god, you know, I really believe in our day and age, it's just the god of self. Uh, we elevate our own self in the place of God. We care about what people, uh, we care too much about what other people think about us. We, we, we want to let our opinion be known. We want to communicate that opinion. And, and if anything, if there's anything that social media has shown us, it's this, is that, you know, we want to elevate our opinion above everybody else. And if anybody has a different opinion, where then obviously they are full and they're wrong. Right? All you have to do is scroll through your Facebook feed or Twitter feed and, and, and don't look at anybody else's. Look at yours and, and read how all you want to do is share your opinion and your thought and how it's so much better and so much righter than everybody else's opinion. We sacrifice, we give to the idol of self. We, we elevate what we care about right uh, above everybody else. A ministry is another false god. Many people surrender their entire lives to ministry. And that's a great example of something that's not even a bad thing. It's a good thing. Ministry. Helping those that are, uh, you know, lonely, those that are lost, those that don't know the truth of Jesus and, and exercising your spiritual gifts for the good of others. It's a good thing. 
but it becomes a bad thing when we turn it into a God thing, when it becomes an idol in our lives, when it takes place of God. I know for me personally, just being completely transparent and honest with you guys, I know a false God that I give to and I care about very much in my life, if I'm completely honest, is, uh, is people-pleasing which is essentially just caring what other people think about you. And, and I know that's something that's constantly on, uh, on my mind. And I'm always thinking about, man, well, what are they thinking about me? What, what, what will they say about me? And, and that means that you avoid disappointing others, even if it's at your own expense. And I know I've, I've been in that place many times. I, I don't know uh, about you, uh, but it's worrying about what other people think about you more than what God thinks about you. What, what is your false God? What do you elevate? above God? What have you turned into an idol in your life? Now listen, you need to be honest with yourself and acknowledge and recognize that you've made some things into God things. They've become idols in your life. What are the people or the things that have taken the place of God in your life? Maybe some of those things aren't necessarily bad or sinful, but they become bad and sinful when they take the place of God. And one of the best ways that maybe if you don't really know and it's hard for you to find out, a great metric is to figure out what do you sacrifice all your time and all your talent and all your treasure to. Whatever you give your time, talent, and treasure to, that is what's become an idol in your life. And so this is the message exactly, this is the prophetic message that Elijah is bringing up before King Ahab and, and Jezebel and all the prophets of Baal. He's bringing this strong prophetic message to Ahab that he's going to bring to us as well. It's going to convict us. I know it has convicted me in preparation for this message. He's going to bring this, this strong message and he's, beginning with saying, he, he's going to begin by saying this. And you can write this down. This is number one in your notes and that is that it's time to quit wavering. It's time to quit wavering wavering. Uh, look at what it says in 1 Kings chapter 18, the next couple of verses, verses 19 on, says this, Now summon all of Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20 says, So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you what? What does that word say right there? How long will you waver between two opinions? Now listen to these next couple of words. These are, this is a powerful statement. He says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Here's essentially Elijah's message. He's saying that it's time to quit wavering. He's saying, listen, enough uh, with, you know, having uh, a feet on either side, a foot on either side, pick a side. All right. And which one is it going to be? Which side is it? You need to choose. You need to make a decision. If it's God, then choose God. Go all in with God. You know, give to God, sacrifice to God, make him your God. If it's him, if it's Baal, man, then, then just follow Baal. If he's the, if he's the true God, then that's who you choose. You know, why are you going to waste your time trying to seek one or the other? Choose the one. Choose the one and if it's Baal then put all your effort into Baal. Now maybe you're thinking to yourself well Danny that's not really re very relevant to me. Well let me explain how it is. You see um, the Elijah's message to us today is also the same. Quit wavering which it is. If it's God then put it all in with God. But for so many of us if it's money then, then forget God and, and, and just pursue money. Pursue success and hey it doesn't matter how you get it because if money is your God then it doesn't matter whether it's a moral way or immoral way. Does it really matter? You know it does because it's your God, so you need to sacrifice.
sacrifice to it and do all that you can in order to pursue it. If it's self, man, then go crazy, elevating yourself above everything else. You know, make it make it all about you, man. Make your entire Twitter feed and Facebook feed and, and, and what have you all about yourself and your opinions. And listen, if somebody has an opponent opposing opinion, just block them because it doesn't matter to you. You glorifying yourself and it's all about you. So make it all about you if that's what it truly is. If it's relationships and if it's sex, then then hey, then why settle for one or why uh, remain faithful in your marriage? And it doesn't really matter if that's your God. Then you need to go all in and pursue it all that you that you can with every single uh, with every single ounce of energy that you have. Then go at it. But if it's God, then quit wavering. Quit wavering. If it is God, then you need to go all in. You need to surrender to Him. You need to submit to God. You need to pursue God. You need to live for Him and quit wavering. Which is it? And that's the question that Elijah is posing to us today. Now, Elijah is on top of Mount Carmel and is this epic showdown, right? That's about to happen. And in the next few verses, essentially, Elijah is going to challenge the prophets of Baal. It's a showdown. It's, it's a match between Elijah all by himself, right? Him and God and, and all the false prophets of, of Baal. So essentially, well over 400 people against Elijah. And he's going to propose this epic showdown. He's going to say, I need you guys to build two altars, okay? And essentially, back, uh, back, back in those times, they used to offer burnt sacrifices to God or to their gods, even their false gods. They would set up altars. They would put in a, an animal. They would kill an animal. They would set it on fire as an offering to their God. And, and even uh, the Israelites would do that to, to Jehovah God, to the one true God. And so Elijah says, set up two altars. All right, we're going to put an animal on there. We're going to see which God is the true God. If you can read it for yourself in 1 Kings 18, 24, he says, Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers with fire, He is God. Alright, so this is the challenge that Elijah is putting up. He says, we're going to set up two altars. We're going to put the two animals on top. But don't you dare set a fire on it. We're going to call out to our gods, and we're going to ask Him whatever God that is, to set it on fire. And the one that answers that is God. And you go on to read the next couple of verses um, in verse 26. It says, So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal. This is, these are the false prophets. Uh, these are the prophets of Baal. So they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. We're talking about hours, hours, crying out to Baal, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar that they had made. I want you guys to think about this. Consider this. That these prophets, right? 400 prophets of Baal are calling out to their God, asking Him to answer their prayer and to light this uh, light the bull to light the sacrifice on fire. And so they're calling out, they're dancing around the sacrifice. They're, they're doing all this sorts of stuff in order to try to catch uh, the attention and try to see uh, if they can get Baal to answer for hours and nothing happens. Now, it's really funny. Elisha's response, uh, I don't know if he just got sick and tired of watching him do this or whatever after a few hours. You know, I probably, I would have for sure, you know, but he, he comes up with some snarky remarks. I wanted to read that because I thought it was really funny. Uh, check it out in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 27. At noon, Elijah mocked them and he said, shout loudly 
for he's a God. In other words, he's kind of like, well, you know, maybe, maybe your God is a little hard of hearing. He can't quite hear you. So make sure you speak up a little bit. He can't hear you. He says, maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. You know, perhaps he's sleeping and he will wake up. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He's like, well, maybe he's gone, you know, nappy by. And he got his blankies rolled up in a corner and he's taking his nap. So you got to scream a little louder to uh, wake him up. You know, what's really interesting is that if you read into the Hebrew text uh, here, the part where it's translated in the CSB as maybe he has wandered away. Uh, if you read into that Hebrew text a little bit, and, and other translations have actually translated this way, uh, what essentially he's saying is that maybe Baal, your God is relieving himself. You know, in other words, maybe he uh, has to take a poo and he can't quite come to answer, uh, answer your call, right? He's with a newspaper sitting on the john right now, sitting on the toilet, taking care of business, which is hilarious if you ask me, right? This is kind of the way that he's responding to the bales. And if you keep on reading verse 28 and 29. They shouted loudly and not, look at what they begin to do now. And they cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed out over them. This was a, a, a bloody a mess. This was a disgusting sight to see these 400 people yelling, uh, dancing, screaming, dancing around the altar, cutting themselves, blood gushing all over the place. Verse 29, all afternoon. So this is, keeps on going, on, on stop. They kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Envision how foolish these prophets look at this time. You know, all day for hours, you know, dancing around, jumping around, screaming. You know, and, and it, 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 they're wasting all this time. You know, unfortunately for many of us, uh, we don't waste hours seeking out the false gods in our lives. And for many of us, we seek out an entire lifetime. We waste an entire lifetime, you know, seeking out these false gods. So after this happens all day, now it's finally Elijah's turn. Nothing happened, no fire consumed the sacrifice. And so now it's time for Elijah to show up. And so he tells the people to gather around. And all the people begin to crowd in around his altar and, and his sacrifice, his animal, the bull. And so he begins to prepare the altar. And what he does is he digs a ditch all around of his sacrifice. So he digs this huge ditch and then he fills it with water. He puts water all inside. Then he commands the people to go get four buckets of water three times. So 12 buckets of water, the people go and they bring the water. And he tells them to drench the sacrifice with the water. And the Bible says that they put so much water on it that it continued to overflow the trench that was uh, around the sacrifice. And of course, this was to, uh, to, make the, to make the sacrifice even more difficult to catch fire. If the animal was wet, the altar was wet, the wood was wet on, on the altar, it would be impo nearly impossible for it to catch fire. And, and God is about to show off. And so this, and this leads us to the second part of Elijah's prophetic message. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The second part of his prophetic message is that it's time to turn your hearts back. It's time to turn your hearts back. We continue to read in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36 to 37. It says this, At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word 
I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. And, and this is the, the integral part. He's saying a prayer here. And this is the important part. This answers why. Why this epic showdown? Why is he doing this? Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. What's the purpose of this epic showdown? It's so that people will turn their hearts back to God. And so that they would know that He is the one true God. That He is Lord. And so what happened? You don't have to wait to find out. We have it here. Continue to read verse 38. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust. Check this out. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, look at their response. They fell face down and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. So what's the result? God answers Elijah's prayer and He sends fire from heaven and it consumes the, the altar, consumes the sacrifice and it's such a, a raging fire that it even licks up and it dries up all the water that was in the trench and all the people begin to worship God and they humble themselves before God, they repent before God and they choose to live for God. All the false uh, bales are put to shame before the one true God as he answers the prayer of Elijah. And I pray, this is exactly what I pray for each and every single one of us, that we would see God as the one true God. And if He is the one true God, that that entails for us to reject all the other bales, to reject all the other false gods, to reject all the other things, and to pursue Him as the one true God, as the one and only God. That's what I pray for you, that you would see Him as the one true God and reject all else and submit your life to Him and pursue Him and live for Him. That is my prayer for us, that all the other names would fade away and the one true name that is above every name would be glorified and that you would pursue God. Now, I know what maybe some of you guys are thinking, and that is, well, Danny, you know, I wish I would have been there to see God consume that sacrifice and to see that happen before my eyes. So then, then I can know that there's a one true God and so then I can follow him. But what if I told you that there was a greater sacrifice that you know about, that has been communicated to you, and that I'm communicating to you today? There's a greater sacrifice. There's a bigger fire. There's a greater miracle that we all could see and that we already know. The truth is that a greater sacrifice was already made for you and for me so that we could see the extent of God's love, so that we could see the extent of His mercy, so that we can see the extent of His forgiveness. You see, Jesus was the greater sacrifice. He was the greater sacrifice who died in our place and, and He was consumed by the fire of God's wrath on our behalf. It should have been me on the cross. It should have been you. It should have been our sins uh, being punished uh, for that. So we, we should have been paying for our own sins. But Jesus consumed the fire of God's wrath on the cross for our sin. He died in our place. And He, and he hung His head and, and shouted that it is, it is finished on the cross for your sins and for mine, so that in His death, we could experience the perfect sacrifice, that we can experience forgiveness of sin. And three days later, by the power of God, He was risen from the grave, so that in His life, 
we can have the promise of an eternity with God our Father, a relationship restored, and so that we can have newness of life. And all you need to do to experience His great love and mercy and forgiveness, all you need to do is put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him. Follow Him. Make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Who is God? We have to make a decision. We need to reject all the other gods, all the other false gods, all the other idols in our lives. And if God is the one true God, then we need to begin to live our lives like it. Let all the other names fade away as we pursue the one and true God. Let's pray. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us today, God, for those that maybe are watching this and they don't, they don't quite see or understand where there are uh, false gods in their lives. I pray that you would reveal the idolatry in our lives, God. And I pray, God, that as you begin to reveal that to us, that we may have humbled hearts to repent of that idolatry. God, I pray that we may quit wavering. And if you are the one true God, Lord, that we would live our lives that way. In, in, a, in a reckless pursuit of you, God, in a full-on pursuit of you, God, in, in a full surrender to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would turn our hearts back and that we would live for you, God. May all the other names fade away as we live our lives surrendered to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.